a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. Welcome to Starlight Beacon, a Star Wars High Republic podcast. This is Gary, and as always, I'm joined by the Rudy Librarian himself, Brian. Nanu Nanu. Oh, so wrong, wrong. That's thing. the wrong show. That's our Mork and Mindy podcast that's launching next week. Uh, surprise, everybody. Starlight Min- Mork. Mork uh, I don't know. And I couldn't come up with a clever name that quickly. <laughs> I failed, Brian. I'm sorry. Mork for Mork Beacon. Mork for Mork. You know, I'm a huge ACDC fan. They're probably my top three bands. And um, my favorite album by them is Highway to Hell. And that album ends with Bon Scott, who died right after they recorded that album, saying, Shazbot Nanu Nanu. And I always thought that was fun. Well, you cannot beat anything that has Robin Williams. So I give mad props to to that, even though I never really watched the show. And ACDC is pretty great, too. I got the Mork and Mindy DVD box set from my high school girlfriend when I was 18 years old, and that was an awesome gift. I don't know if I still have that. I'm gonna, I have to check. Let me know, and then you know, <laughs> this could be a third podcaster, you know, because you've got your, you've got your monsters one, and I've got another one, and you know, maybe we'll have to do a third one. We'll see. Down Absolutely, yeah. So we'll do a, a Mork and Mindy cast. Um, <laughs> so before we jump into uh, some High Republic stuff today, we got a couple of show notes up front. Did want to shout out uh, one of my favorite bands on the planet, the Taj Motel Trio, who helps contribute to our new theme song. That's their song, Vader, from their 2000, from the year 2000, album, Feel the Force. Uh, Taj Motel Trio is a ska punk band from Georgia who uh, have been putting out great releases uh, for the past almost 20 years, actually over 20 years now. So thanks to them for allowing us to use kind of a clip of their of their song, Vader, which is the first song on their very first release. Um, Brian and I are both big ska fans, and we've talked about that uh, a lot on the show. I actually play in a ska band, Backyard Superheroes. Um, haven't talked about that a lot on the show, but um, really awesome to ha- kind of incorporate some ska into our theme song there. And even our logo has some subtle no- nods to ska, too. So um, we are really in that nerdy Venn diagram of guys who like ska and guys who have a podcast about a really specific part of Star Wars. You realize that, right, Brian? We are We are like the nerdiest of the nerds well that's what i'm aiming for if i can increase my nerd cred uh and uh my awkwardness around real human beings at all times i'm good for it that's true that's true um my poor wife has to hear me like rant and rave about this star wars stuff all the time and you mentioned i have another podcast where we cover universal monster movies we just watched the mummy last night the original mummy from 1932 and i was spouting off all these facts she's like yeah that's great that's wonderful like can we go to bed now i'm like no this is interesting to me um one of my friends who's not super uh super into star wars kind of a casual star wars fan but maybe more than casual star wars fan he uh is on paternity leave right now my friend tam shout out to him who just had his first child congratulations and he's like hey man i want to read some star wars books <laughs> oh here we go here we go, buddy. And I started sending him a ton of recommendations. And I was like, uh, all these are great. I recommend it. Uh, Lords of the Sith. He wrote that, read that in a couple of days. He loved it. Uh, I recommend it. Bloodlines, Lost Stars. But I said, if you're going to read any book, you should read Light of the Jedi. And he's like, okay, cool. I'm like, yeah, it's a great starting off point if you don't know too much about the Star Wars like publishing universe. So he read Light of the Jedi in, uh, in a, the span of like two days and said, dude, this is amazing. And now he's super invested in the High Republic. So we're, we're converting people for you, Charles Soule. We're, we're getting people to uh, to read your book. Fantastic. And also, just backing up to your, your shout-out to the Taj Motel Trio, um, you said that that album came out in the year 2000, and I uh, couldn't interject it at that moment, but every time someone says in the year 2000, I think of the old Conan O'Brien shtick. I don't know if you watched the Conan O'Brien show. In the year 2000. Exactly. Yeah. 
So shout out to that. But uh, yes, back on track. Congratulations to your friend. Children are awesome. And Star Wars is awesome. He's living the good life right now. I bought a new Star Wars book for my daughter this week. Um, it's called The Galaxy Needs You. It's a children's book. Have you heard of that one? I have not. It's got Ray on the cover. I got it from Target because it was on sale. She just continually gets Star Wars books. She's six months old, so she doesn't know what they are. But um, my wife's like, why do you keep getting these Star Wars books? I'm like, well, I'm a completionist. I like all the Star Wars books, and I have to get them. So we haven't read it yet. It's called The Galaxy Needs You. It's kind of like a, an overview of the sequel trilogy um, for written for kids. So that's exciting. But anyway, also want to notice, uh, want to note that we are participating in Star Wars Podcasting Day, which is what this episode um, is, why this episode is kind of coming out on a different day and is a special episode for us. Uh, Star Wars Podcasting Day is a really cool, um, I don't, is the word movement that I want to say? A really cool. Uh, why not? Sure. sure. Movement. A Star Wars podcasting movement. Um, where about, I think it's right now almost close to 100 different Star Wars podcasts are participating in Star Wars Podcast Day. There's like thousands of Star Wars podcasts. So thank you for listening to this one, by the way. Um, but really stoked to be a part of that, um, especially us. This is only our fourth episode. So really cool. We got asked to join that. Um, so this episode is going to be out on um, Sunday, February 7th, which is officially Star Wars Podcasting Day. But we'll be back with our normally scheduled episode. Um, next week, where we'll uh, be right back on schedule. What's that, Art? You? You're excited, too? That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, yes, and I'd be remiss to not introduce our third uh, host for this episode, R2-D2, making a special appearance. R2, um, how are you? Oh, man. Hold on. Now I, I, put you, now I put you into a corner, Brian. <laughs> I've only got the one sound on my phone. So it's... it's He's either cussing at us or he's happy. I don't know which it is. We're a PG remember, podcast, so I'm going happy. Do you remember when, um, I, I've always been an iPhone person, but they put out like the droid that looked like R2-D2 like 10 years ago. Do you remember that phone? No. Oh, they put out an Android, the, the phone Android, and it, it had like R2-D2 colors on it, and it like all the alerts were R2-D2. One of my friends at work had it, and it was really cool. I'm like, but I'm a devout iPhone person, so I'm not switching over. Another That's... thing we've in common. What's that? I said another thing we have in common. There you go. We're just we're just nerding nerding up the nerdy nerdiness today. Before we started, we were talking about WandaVision. We're not gonna talk about that on this show, but you guys watch WandaVision. It is awesome. And also it's set in New Jersey, which New Jersey is awesome. I live yes. in Texas, but that's where I live. I live in New Jersey. There's lots of things set in Texas though, you know? Yeah, like Westerns. <laughs> Shows that take place in prison. <laughs> You're right. When I was, um, I went, to, I went to Germany. Short, short aside. I went to Germany my sophomore year in high school. I went to a concentration camp, and uh, we met this guy in the concentration. Like we did a lot of stuff, but we went to a, a, a concentration camp in Dachau. That was one of the places we visited, and there was a, a Jewish person who had been in prison there, and he came over and talked to us after we came out. First thing he said to us is he's like, where, where are you from? And we were like, we're from the United States. And he said, I, I know, but where in the United States? And I was like, Texas. And he goes, oh, bonanza. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and as a like 16-year-old punk rock kid, the last thing I wanted to hear was someone connecting me with bonanza. But he was a very nice guy. That's the, the longest running, uh, well, at the time, was the longest running television show. So, I mean, there's something to be proud of. Yes, I just wanted everyone to to get out of their head that in Texas we're all cowboys and ride horses because I've never ridden a horse or been near a horse, really. Well, in New Jersey, we're all uh, we all have spiked hair and, and go clubbing like on Jersey Shore, which is actually true. So, yeah, you're gonna have to work on your spray tan, though, man. You're looking a little crazy. <laughs> you, I mean, you guys have Bowling for Soup, and we have uh, Bruce Springsteen. So there you go. What? Not quite on the same level, but I definitely love Bowling for Soup. And their line from their song that the Mexican food sucks north of here anyway is true. I would agree. I think I've talked, we've already talked about this on the show or offline. I don't remember, but I, I've had the best Mexican food in my life when I went to Texas. That's right. It does. And it, I went to the original uh, Alamo Draft House, which was really cool in Austin. Yes, and I saw I saw Twister there, and they were it was like an interactive showing of Twister where they were throwing things around. They had like stuffed cows. 
it was really neat. I really wanted to go. They had a, a great showing of Monster Squad there and a great showing of the Goonies, and I would have loved to have seen both of those. I did not get to go. I'm gonna. We're going to move into Star Wars in a second, but I just want to put this out there, and I'm not even going to let Brian respond to this. I'm just going to make this statement, and he might never talk to me again. Monster Squad is way better than the Goonies. The Goonies sucks. All right, so in Star Wars news this week... <laughs> In some Star Wars news this week, uh, our good friend Charles Soule uh, responded to a tweet on the Twitter machine where someone asked him if he was ever going to go back to comic writing for Star Wars. And his response was something along the lines of, cannot talk about it, but something big is in the works. And we know that Charles Soule is pretty much tied directly to High Republic now. Um, so I'm wondering if there's going to be a new High Republic comic series, a new limited run. Or if he's going to get involved in the the Marvel series or IDW series in some way. What do you think? Man, I don't know because, okay, so there's already a High Republic series. Uh, so he's not, I don't think he's going to do a Star Wars High Republic series. Um, there's already a Star Wars series and it's set, aren't they doing right now between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi? Yeah. Yeah. So that I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I definitely could see him doing another series, but I have no idea what it would be unless... It's going to be something to tie into the eventual Acolyte show on Disney+. Plus. I could see that. But I also don't think they would want to do that until after the Acolyte came out. I think they want that to be a, you know, a lot of surprises on there. I don't Here's know. Here's my prediction. Here's my prediction. I just thought of it right now. Um, he does such a great job writing Star Wars, specifically Vader. He, he's run on Vader as legendary already. Uh, I think he will do a short run limited series of a specific High Republic character. Uh, maybe a prequel to Light of the Jedi, maybe something happening at the same time. Maybe we'll learn more about Martian Roe or um, Avar Chris or something like that. But I think that I'm, that's my guess and my prediction. You could put it down right here, February 7th. Okay, what the character in Light of the Jedi that uh, Skier was really close to that died. I'm trying to remember which character that is. Um, I could see a series on that character. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, and that would be great, just like Monster Squad and the Goonies. So wow. I, would be, wow. I, would be down, I would be down with either of those. So wow. um, there's a lot of characters he killed off that there could be great series about in Light of the Jedi. So Everybody. There, my friend who just read Light of the Jedi was like, hey, everybody dies in this book. I'm like, yeah, they sure do. <laughs> Yes, it's the uh, it's it's the Game of Thrones of Star Wars books, absolutely. But like a little bit more optimistic, right? There's no red wedding. There's no. Uh, there's not no, yet. I feel like that might be coming though. <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna hope not. I don't feel like Disney's in red wedding territory yet. They're not ready for that. They've already agreed to a rated R Deadpool, but red weddings uh, not not quite there. Brian, I'll just put it to you this way: by the time we get to the Phantom Menace. I don't believe Starlight Beacon is still around. So what happened to it? We shall see. I agree with that. Um, other Star Wars news. Not a lot more happening in the High Republic this week. Uh, the High Republic got an, an, a shout out in the latest Dr. Aphra comic, which is also taking place concurrently with the Star Wars Marvel comic uh, in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, I have not read the, the newest Dr. Aphra run that started right after Empire Strikes Back, but uh, High Republic gets shouted out there. Uh, apparently, a character named Dr. Oka is reading a book called Lost Legends of the High Republic. And then Dr. Afra uh, encounters a High Republic ship at one point in the story. Um, if you're not familiar with Dr. Afra, she's actually like the kind of badass, villainous female Star Wars, other adjective version of Indiana Jones, which is kind of neat. So she's like this historian archaeologist uh, in the Star Wars universe. And I've I just think that's a brilliant concept and something uh, that's really executed really well in those comics. Um, and she she is intertwined a lot in the in the Marvel comics, the Vader comics, the uh, Marvel mainline, and then she has her own line. So um, I think we're probably going to see more High Republic stuff because that is right in her wheelhouse of uh, space archaeology. Yes, and I am definitely here for that. I would love to see somehow some of these uh these things interacting with triple zero and uh what's what's the art one bd one it always reminds me of bd wong you know the actor from jurassic park oh yeah 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 so every time i read it i'm like bd wong but it's bd one 
Absolutely. Going off the rails on this Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not, you know what it is? We're not very focused and um, kind of like all over the place and overrated, just like the Goonies. So in other news. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Um, last piece of news. Not High Republic related, but we did get a lot of Star Wars merchandise uh, this week, specifically in the Black Series. Ryan and I are both uh, collectors of toys. Well, I know I am. I believe Ryan is. Um, I'm mostly in the, the Funko wheelhouse, but every now and then I'll venture out and buy a really cool Black Series. I had a Jar Jar Binks Black Series that just came out the other day in my hand at Target, and I didn't pull the trigger, and I regret it. They also released um, Jackson. Do you know who Jackson is, by the way? Name's familiar. He's the giant bunny rabbit in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yep, they, uh, they're putting a figure of him out, if, not, if it's not already out. The one that got us both excited, we were talking about before this show, was the Cal Kestis. Now, there already is a Cal Kestis uh, Black Series, but this one is the, what was it called? Gamer Exclusive or something Game, like that? Gamer Great. Game Greats. Yeah. He looks really cool. He's got a, a cool, um, like, couple different variants of lightsabers. He has, like, a... What is the word I'm thinking of? I'm wearing a hood right now. He's also wearing a hood, but his is attached to like a raincoat. What is that word? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Words are escaping. Um, yeah, it's literally not coming. But yeah, so he comes with a double-bladed blue lightsaber, a, or double-bladed green lightsaber, and a single-bladed blue lightsaber. He comes with his droid, right? Yep. What was his what, droid's name? See, I was thinking that droid was BD-1 for some reason. Is that one BD-1? Maybe that is BD-1. So, yeah. Man, people are going to yell at us on the internet. For sure. You're doing a Star Wars podcast? What do you know? Um, I think that might be BD-1, but I don't remember the, the R2 droid from, from Dr. Afro. But, Evil uh, R2. That's what that's what we'll call it. Evil R2. Absolutely. There's also a little creature from one of the um, planets um, with the, the Calcastus. And then it has uh, a, a Jedi holocron, and it has a hood that can attach to his outfit, whatever that thing's called that we can't remember. Uh, tunic? Is it a tunic? That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so my son is currently 100% obsessed with Jedi Fallen Order, listens to the soundtrack every night, practices his handwriting, writing the names of the tracks to the soundtrack. Is wow, that's cool playing it in the other room right now and uh and he wanted this action figure so we we pre-ordered it for him is it a duster or is a duster like a coat a duster is like a trench coat like in a western yeah like in texas right dang it <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so excited for that calcestis i have not pre-ordered it yet but i'm going to because he's cool absolutely yeah for sure and, and I can't wait till we get High Republic toys. I want Legos. I want Funkos. I want Black Series. Give it all to me, and I will spend all my money on it. Disney, come on, do it. Absolutely. And I, you know, I'm gonna say, I was gonna say too. I want to throw out that I'm super proud of my son. He turned eight, like not too, like you know, a couple weeks ago on on the thirtieth or whatever. And uh, I'm I'm super proud that one of the words he knows how to spell in his life is Kashik. So wow. <laughs> Little Star Wars sidebar. I, I we're we're not even on our comic topic yet, but Star Wars sidebar. I was on a, a cruise last year, the first and only cruise. Not last year, I two years ago now, twenty nineteen. Not on a cruise last year during COVID. That sounds horrible. I was on a cruise in the summer of twenty nineteen, and it was the first and only cruise I think I'll ever go on because I didn't really love it. Um, but they had a Star Wars trivia contest night, and um, I was like, well, I have to go to this, and I went and I won. Obviously, I mean, come on, guys. And the, the two finalists were me and this little kid. And um, I felt bad because I really, really destroyed him on, on, on all the Star Wars trivia. I got all of the questions right. And the judge said I got one of them wrong. I didn't. I didn't get it wrong. I got it right. That judge was wrong. Um, just so everyone out there in podcast land doesn't think I'm horrible, the prize that I got, which was like some Star Wars like merchandise and like a gift card, I gave it to the little kid. I did not keep it. But I... I in my mind, I know that I won, and I got a hundred percent of the questions right. Brian, don't give me that look. I, I fully believe that you got all the questions right, and 
if this were uh, if this were fanboys, you would be getting the information on how to break into Lucas Ranch now. Um, they would be questioning between the two of us. They'd be questioning me as the weakest link. But I know the planet is Kashyyyk, so I'm good. <laughs> that you know the, why that why that jogged my memory is because that was one of the questions. Is like, what is the Whoopi homeworld and it's Kashyyyk? I mean, who doesn't know that? Come on, come on, guys. Much harder question is what is the language? Sheer Wook. Yes, I think it's a pronunci pronunciation makes it hard. I would have said Shrewook, but it could be either way. Uh, speaking about pronunciation, let's get into Marvel issue number two. We spoke about issue number one in our last episode. Um, so we got Marvel issue number two came out this week on February 3rd, written by Kevin Scott, art by Adop and Nito. Um, I believe I pronounced that right. Enidito. Enidito. Um, great art. And uh, I'll give a quick plot summary, and then we'll jump into our thoughts on that. So we left Marvel issue number one with Steer, the Trandoshan Jedi Master, who has one arm, uh, had walked into his, his quarters and saw something that really, really creeped him out. We do not see where that picks up when we pick up this, this story. We have uh, Keeve, who is now a Jedi Knight, which she was knighted at the end of Marvel issue one. Skier and two new characters who were introduced to Terok and Serret. Uh, really cool, kind of like a, a yin and yang type of characters. I believe that they're twins, something we haven't seen in Star Wars. Oh, of course, we saw Luke and Leia, but these are actual, like, they, identical twins who are both Jedi, which is a really cool concept. Uh, Keeve is still doubting herself a little bit about now that she's a Jedi Knight. Um, and now she's noticing, like, Skier is treating her differently. He, he refers to her by, uh, I believe it's her, her last name now, um, instead of her first name, as he did in the past. A group responds to a distress call uh, of a ship that was just uh, ambushed and destroyed by the Nile. Um, while this is happening, and, and at the mention of the Nile, Surat and Terak sense a great stress and trauma in Skier. So kind of dropping some hints that what he's kind of so stressed and freaked out about and what he saw at the end of issue one might have to do with the Nile there. We, uh, while on the ship, uh, they search for survivors and they find that the ship was a hut freighter uh, and that it was robbed by the Nile. Um, and they were looking for, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce what the chemical they were looking for, but it was a key ingredient in Bacta. And we've heard about Bacta in some of the other High Republic stories we've read, too. So it's clearly something big that's happening in the universe is the development of Bacta. One of the interesting beats in the story is that there's a Nile still left on the ship. And he tries to ambush the group. And Skier kills him um, rather brutally, actually, by cutting him in half, um, which alarms Keeve. And she's kind of taken aback by that. Um, when they report back to Avar Chris on Starlight Beacon, um, she uh, breaks up the group, kind of lectures Skier a little bit, and Skier and Sarah travel to the planet of Sedri, uh, Sirdi, however you want to pronounce it, which was the planet that the doomed ship was uh, heading, it's the destination. There, Sarat is attacked by an unseen force and disappears as we go to our next issue. Anything I missed in there that you think was vital for the plot summary? Kind of wrote uh, that while I was half awake. I don't think so. I think you did pretty good. We'll, uh, you know, as we get a little further into it, we'll, we'll see, we'll probably cover anything we missed. Okay. Yeah. I was, I, I, I'll full disclosure. I was half awake when I wrote that plot summary. Um, so Tarak and Surat, I, those are the characters I want to start with. I said that we've never seen twins. Obviously we've seen twins, Luke and Leia are twins. I, I recognize that, but these are two identical twins um, who are both force sensitive and are both Jedi, both force sensitive and are both Jedi. And I thought that was just a really cool concept. I like these characters a lot. Wait, Luke and Leia are twins? Oh, oh spoiler alert, dude. No way. Okay. Yes, very cool concept. They're called the Katabi, and they're identical Bond twins. So definitely a very cool concept. I will say my kids were – I was reading this on the iPad, and normally I don't – they don't see me reading comics on the iPad. And uh, uh, they were a little creeped out by the way they looked. And I, I'm looking at them now, and I'm like, it's kind of like um, – you know, this Billy Corgan and Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, so, um, yeah, it was weird that they they their their uh, crossover from Scott Pilgrim, because I believe those are the two twins that date Ramona Flowers, too. 
<laughs> a weird pull. I've been playing the Scott Pilgrim game a lot on my Switch, so that's kind of where I, that's in my mind. But remember those two twins that dated Scott Pilgrim? Uh, that dated Scott Pilgrim. They dated Ramona. They were they were like her fifth and sixth evil exes. Right. The that played like electronic music and yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're now they're Jedi, or maybe they were Jedi before they dated Ramona. So interesting story there. And that's, that's shaved, what's happening in my head canon. They've shaved their luscious locks to look like Billy Corgan. I don't know who tr is like, you know how, what I, okay, no offense to Billy Corgan and Smashing Pumpkins, love them, but I don't know that anyone's like, I want to look like Billy Corgan in the, uh, you know, 90s, late late 90s era Billy Corgan. I don't know that that's- He had hair. Like on their first album, he had hair and it was a good look. I, maybe he was balding. I don't know that much about Billy Corgan. I know he loves wrestling and he owns a wrestling company. Yeah. And he's a great guy. As far as I know, great guy, great, great band, great musician. But yeah, he definitely had a shaved head, lots of eyeshadow or whatever era. And they look a little bit like him to me. Um, one Which of the other things I want to do with Star Wars. <laughs> no, no. Goonies is not a great movie. One of the other things I wanted to talk about um, was we continue to see how like brutal the Nile are. So um, we saw this, I believe it was in Light of the Jedi, where they where they'll attack a ship, but before they enter the ship, they'll fill the ship up with, with poisonous gas so that before they even get on the ship, no one, everyone there is either dead or does not have the ability to defend themselves. And I mean, that's probably smart tactically, but that's something really brutal that we've never seen in Star Wars before, that they're just killing everybody on the ship without even asking, like getting on the ship or, or, you know, talking to them, asking questions, taking hostages, anything like that. They just pretty much murdered everybody there. Yeah, well, and they talk about, I mean, they talked about the gas before, but they never really hinted that it was fully poisonous until now. And so they talk later about how one of the twins says that um, the hut has the first signs of nagnol poisoning and talk about that being a part of the gas. And even with the rebreathers on, uh, um, Trennis says that it feels like falling into a wasp worm hive. Uh, which is quite unpleasant, as we learn in the early issues of uh, Doctor Afra. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a that's a really memorable part of the Doctor Afra comics too. Yeah. So you yeah. have you have hibernation sickness. That's just what it sounded. It reminded me of when you just said that. <laughs> but yeah, so definitely unpleasant. Unpleasant even when you're protected, but you know, deadly. So, and it seems like a one of the big things that's happening in the High Republic, we've got the Starlight Beacon, we've got the Rise of the Nile, but also the concept of Bacta and this this new like miracle medical drug that's that's being developed, which in in the original trilogy, uh, it, I just thought it was a thing. I never thought about where did Bacta come from? I just assumed that hey, that's a Star Wars thing. That's just their medicine. But we're really seeing the the roots of it and actually how important it is to the galaxy. And I think that's, that, that's a story I'm looking forward to seeing playing out. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's interesting. You know, we, we always try and find how literature parallels your life. You always find the ways that it connects. But it's it, right now, as we've got, you know, millions of people being vaccinated a day in hopes to end this pandemic of COVID, uh, it's it's definitely, uh, you can feel how important it would be when you have something that can, can bring health to so many people uh, and how urgent it is. It's, it, 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 we're going to see it come up again. In the uh, it's it's either coming up in the next comic or it came up in um in uh another one where Yoda was going was it was that an issue one where Yoda was go talking about going to secure some of that yeah where, it was in uh, IDW comic yep okay I wasn't sure if it was IDW or if it was mentioned briefly in the first Marvel but yeah or maybe it was there's a lot of there's a lot of stories we're reading right now guys <laughs> and there's a lot of overlap so I mean there's stuff that's gonna you know bleed into each other and we'll do our best to remember. Ultimately, what we care about is the whole story. But ev everything seems to be pointing to the Starlight Beacon, the, the Bacta, and then on the on the negative side, obviously, what the Nile are willing to do to maintain their control, you know, and that kind of stuff. And speaking of the Nile, um, they were specifically robbing this ship, it seems, to get that uh, ingredient for creating Bacta. Um, I don't remember if it was mentioned at all, but do we think that they have some sort of agenda here? Do they either want to create Bacta for their own use or do they want to prevent the creation of Bacta for the galaxy? 
I don't think it's anything as intelligent. Well, I don't know. I don't know if intelligence is the right word. I think it's about being able to leverage the sale of that product. Got it. You know, because I feel like the Nile are primarily about like, how do we score some money? How do we right. get control and money? So I, if anything, I think it might be about, or it could be that, but then also we do have in a uh, light of the Jedi, the, the he healing containment system for uh, the Mari. Hecca. Yeah. Mari's Hecca, yeah. Hecca. So it could be that they need that to keep that going too. Yeah, I was thinking, I think that you're right about the Nile. Their motivation is just pure financial. But Marky and Rowe's motivation is not. So I think he, he seems like the type to me that would want to cripple the galaxy in some sort of way or or hurt the Jedi or hurt the, the Chancellor and hurt the, the Republic in some sort of way. So if he can impact them by, by stopping Bacta from being developed but also make some money from it, he'll probably do that. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. The other character who's really highlighted in the story, obviously, Keeve is kind of our POV character, but is is her, her former master, Skier, um, who seems to be going through something right now, Brian. He's not having a good time. He he needs to talk to somebody. Yeah, so I'm going to say I absolutely loved that they did this in the story because you think about, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to briefly step away from Star Wars and back to something we mentioned earlier, WandaVision, right? The whole show, WandaVision, is essentially about uh, spoilers here, if you haven't watched Spoilers for WandaVision, everybody. Spoilers for WandaVision. But, I mean, I think this is also sort of known going into it. It's about someone's trauma, right? I mean, Wanda Maximoff in Age of Ultron, what, you know, her brother was killed. And in grief and rage, she, like, slaughtered all the Ultrons and then ripped his heart out, right? And then... In like the later Avengers movies, uh, in Avengers uh, Infinity War, uh, Vision, her lover, is is killed, right? So she's grieving. And we really haven't seen that kind of stuff in pop culture very much. We haven't dealt with grief in like, you know, the kind of pop culture PG-13 films that are blockbusters. And so they're doing that in WandaVision. And I love that they're doing that with Skier here. Um, because I think that it gives honor to mental health and to people who are genuinely struggling. And these Jedi have seen stuff, you know, um, like should should Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker still be going as freely as they are in you know, an Anakin be doing things in the same way after all the fights they've seen and friends they've watched die and all that? I mean, there's pain. And so I love that we're watching a character go through that. Absolutely. And we see him um, rather, rather viciously kill the, the remaining member of the Nile that's still on that ship um, by bisecting him. He cuts him in half, which is a, a big Star Wars trope. People always cut people in half. Um, just get some robot legs. That guy will be fine. But right. uh, <laughs> Well, and not just cutting him in half. The cutting him in half was almost reflexive and defensive. Yeah. But then he swipes at him. Let's see. He cuts him in half. I've got it open in front of me. And then it goes, while he's already dead and cut in half, one, two, three more times he hits him with his lightsaber. Yeah. He's cutting his dead body into pieces. He's going to need more than robot legs. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that is definitely not kind of the Jedi way. Like, the Jedi aren't supposed to be, at least in this era of the Jedi specifically, they're, that's not how they behave. That's not how they act. They're not overly violent, overly aggressive. That You're right, that was reflexive and probably defensive for him cutting the, the Nile in half like that, but didn't really need to kill him. It's like when you're playing a video game, right? When you're playing Call of Duty or, or Goldeneye or something like that, or Halo, and your friend kills you and then goes up to your, your dead body and just keeps shooting you until you respawn. That's exactly what this reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And they even do this zoom in on his reptilian eye that is contracted in rage you know uh so that was just really well illustrated as well and what's what do you think is the effect that that has on on keeve as a as a young jedi how is she reacts pretty pretty viscerally to that she's really taken aback how do you think that's going to impact her yeah man i mean she she definitely cares very much for skier and we see from that moment on, she's questioning everything Skier's doing, every decision Skier's making. 
And she wants to call attention to it, but also wants to honor her master. And, um, and I think she's, you know, we see a little bit of conflict there for her as well. And, you know, we talked about the other day how it's already, you know, issue four or five or whatever that we saw the cover of is still dealing with some stuff with Skira and Trinus, which, I mean, obviously we're going to be following them through this series. Um, so I think this is something that's going to have some, some ripples as we keep going. Absolutely. And I think that just in that great Star Wars way that everything kind of rhymes and is is poetry, to put it in George Lucas's words. Remember back to episode one, this, not episode one of Phantom Menace, but issue one of the Marvel series opens with them kind of dueling each other. And, and it's her training, but they are dueling each other. I'm, I'm just going to predict that that is going to be one of the end games or end points of this series that they're going to come to blows in some way over over a moral or ethical conflict so um interesting to see where this plays out i'm pretty invested in this story how about you absolutely what i've said that like a million times but yeah for sure i and i like skier as a character but i'm definitely more invested in trennis and um i hope that trennis is able to stay a little bit more on the light side, you know, I hope that she doesn't get dragged in while trying to help her master. Anything else we wanted to cover with uh, Marvel issue two? Did we talk? Well, first of all, did we talk about, we talked about the twins a little bit, but do we talk about how they feel each other's pain and uh, how, and, and, and how that helps them to kind of know what's going on with Skier and the other twin? I did not mention that, but if you want to chat about it. Yeah. So being bond twins, it's pretty cool in the sense that they can kind of, you know, they almost, they kind of sense each other and, and the moves each other is going to make. But so what they keep doing throughout the series is to say, okay, one twin go with this person, one twin go with this person. And it's sort of like having comms, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, okay, what, what's happening over there? So um, when they're on the ship, the hut ship, and one of them gets attacked and gets cut with like a blade and it's, it's not a significant wound, but it's, bad enough that they're like he, he needs bandages and and you know wish we had a little bacta for him or they also also interesting fact they talk about that bacta is replacing something called rejuve which is kind of cool to see what came before bacta but uh skier and um i'm trying to see which other twin it is that goes with them uh because their names are so similar uh it's Serret. yeah so they go to uh sedry minor and we have this other being that's sort of out in the fields that lures Sarah out there. And it kind of looks like Greedo a little bit. Uh, Rodian, yeah. Yeah. I so, was thinking of, um, of Children of the Corn. <laughs> right. Man, I watched that back in the day. Um, but we have this um, plant-like tendril that seems to come up already blood-stained. And we... It, it's indicated that something happens to Sierra. We don't know what yet. And, uh, but Tarek feels that where, they, you know, they're with Avar, Chris, and, and Trennis. So now they know they need to go try and help, which is kind of, it's kind of an interesting plot point, an interesting way to get through the story. Um, and I, I will say we were, I was watching, um, I, I shout this place out a lot, but I really like Star, Star Wars Explained as one of my sources to get information. And um, they talked about how this, you know, the, the stuff that's set up in, in uh, uh, High Republic issue number two really plays a significant role and has developed a lot more in Into the Dark, the Claudia Gray novel, which is what our next episode is going to be about. So I'm super excited to see, you know, learn a little bit more about whatever that was that got Sarit. Yeah. And then my, my last note on these two characters, um, who do you think would win in a fight? Tarak and Serret or Tomox and Zamot from G.I. Joe? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say that I didn't really watch a lot of G.I. Joe. Oh. Uh, do you know who they are? They're the evil twins who work for Cobra. I do not know, no. Oh, I'm going to put a picture of them up on uh, on our Instagram. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've uh, seen the G.I. Joe, Joe reboot movies. Um, yeah, yeah, those are a thing. <laughs> they, are a thing. they are a thing. I will say the first G.I. Joe movie had some really fantastic editing. There's one shot that I just remember watching it and being like, that was edited very well. 
I'm going to move yeah. on to the IDW comics real quick, but I want to tell you about the first G.I. Joe movie and what it might be top five days in my life. You know, I got married. I had saw the birth of my daughter. I saw Phantom Menace at midnight. I saw Force Awakens at midnight. And then number five here. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Sure. It was a random Friday in New Jersey, and we have a Six Flags Great Adventure. And I know you have Six Flags over Texas in Texas, but we have Six Flags Great Adventure here in Jersey. And I'm a huge roller coaster fan. So at this Six Flags, my friend and I, who I worked with, both called out of work that day to go to Six Flags to go to something called Ska Day at Six Flags. This was 2008, 2009, where a bunch of local New Jersey ska bands, at the time I was not in a band, but I knew a lot of these bands, were playing at Six Flags. So we went there. We saw all these ska bands play during the day. We rode roller coasters. On the way home, we stopped at Pizza Hut and then saw that first G.I. Joe movie in theaters. Tell me that's not maybe the greatest day of all time. That's a pretty phenomenal day. But, I mean, at some point, we're going to have to talk about how the day you met George Lucas is not one of those top days. It's true, because that was really awkward and uncomfortable. But we'll do a whole episode on the day I met George Lucas. But I would say, you know, getting married, you know, seeing the birth of my daughter, and Ska Day slash G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra in theaters was, or like maybe my top three days. That's good stuff, man. Good stuff. Almost as good as uh, uh, the Goonies. Let's. Uh... Oh, so this is going to be a thing, I see. <laughs> IDW issue number one. I was really excited for this. It's actually called The High Republic Adventures, if I believe so, right? That's right. Yes. And that's, of course, we have the Star Wars Adventures, which is an ongoing Star Wars line published by IDW, which caters a little bit younger than the regular Star Wars comic line. Um, as, as probably does the High Republic Adventures, I think it caters a little younger than the, the Marvel line. Really excited to get this. We were talking before um, we started recording. This was originally supposed to be one of the launch titles for High Republic, but it was delayed a month. Um, not quite sure why. Uh, they really haven't said anything. But if you read it, and when you read it, you'll see that it does overlap, I think, a lot with some of the events of Light of the Jedi. It's where I believe where Master Yoda was during Light of the Jedi was with his group of Padawan. The galaxy's still reeling from the great disaster, so there's still you know debris coming down and ravaging the galaxy and planets there. So a little bit of overlap, but as Brian said, I think a lot of these stories are really interconnected and a lot are happening at the same time. So with that being said, we have IDW issue number one, written by Daniel Jose Older, art by Harvey uh, Talibo, with uh, wording by Rebecca Nalti and coloring by Jake Wood. So um, not a ton of story to discuss here, but I'll jump into it a little bit. Uh, the Trimont system is still being ravaged by pieces remaining from the Great Disaster. Uh, Master Yoda and a group of Padawans, including our main character, Lula Talasola, are nearby. So Yoda sends Lula Planetside to help with the evacuation of the planet. Um, I didn't write down the planet name. I probably should have done that. Um, meanwhile, on the planet, we meet the character Zine Morala, who's a young resident who, I guess the, the kind of prevailing thought on this planet with their culture is that they should be fearful of the Force um, and wary of any Force users. Um, but however, she she kind of thinks differently. She feels like she has something special. She has maybe some force feelings, maybe some um, midichlorians. I probably wonder if we're going to talk about midichlorians in the higher public. I hope we do. Um, so Zine interacts eventually with uh, Lula and witnesses her using her force powers, which kind of awaken Zine's force powers. And she partners up with Lula to stop some debris that is coming down to destroy the city. Um, this outrages Zine's best friend, a character by the name of Crix, who believes that Zine had been lying to him and, and really, really freaks out, finding out that she has some force abilities. Um, but their kind of this revelation is short-lived because the entire group is then surrounded by a group of Nile as we end our first issue. So dense yeah. version of the plot there, because a lot happens in this story. Um, but we meet two awesome new characters. I feel like I said that for every High Republic thing. We meet two awesome new characters. But we meet another young Jedi uh, in Lula, and we meet another character who I'm really excited to learn more about, and that's Zine. So, Brian, what were your thoughts overall about IDW number one? Well, first of all, the name of the city that they're taking care of is Bralanak City, something like that, B-R-A-L-A-N-A-K City on Trimant Force, so Bralanak City. I I'm going to say, I, I, did, I did not, okay, so this sounds bad. Daniel Jose Older, I love you. Love your work, man. But I didn't necessarily expect a ton from this because it's, I assumed, geared a lot younger 
like the Star Wars Adventures comic is. And I thought it was awesome. It was so much higher, better than my expectations. Um, I loved uh, so many things about it, like the the Star Hopper being this group of Padawans that Yoda. And by the way, we get uh, our first introduction to this character, whose name is uh, his name is Master Torben Buck. Yep. Um, uh, so we get our first introduction to him, and he's the guy that's going to be called Buckets of Blood, although they do not call him that in this issue. Um, which, you know, there's the name, Buck, so Buckets of Blood. Um, but we've got these Padawans with these two masters, and they're kind of thrust into a situation where somebody needs help urgently, and they have to, as Padawans, go out and do real Jedi work. And so I loved that feeling of, like, I'm nowhere near ready for this. Like, I'm just supposed to be learning right now. You know, it's like uh, if you've ever had a job and your supervisor's like, you got this, go. And you're like, it's my first day. Like, I'm literally just, <laughs> I, I just learned how to put the uniform on. Like, what are you talking about? You know, I am a, I'm a manager, so I have a, a, a small team of direct reports, and that's exactly how I manage. Yeah, you're good. You got this. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is it's fine when you're, like, working at Starbucks and they're like, you're going to make coffee which is what I did for like eight years before I became a teacher. But it's not fine when it's like, we're going to go save the city. Sure. <laughs> so, so, I mean, obviously Yoda knows what Yoda knows best. They say mother knows best, but Yoda knows best. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I took which high Republic character test are, are you? And I tested as Yoda. Um, I'm also not saying it because he's on my keychain for my school keys, <laughs> but if he trusts them, then he trusts them. But yeah, what a what a shocking thing to be thrust into early in your Padawan ship. And that's kind of uh, one of the prevailing themes here in the High Republic so far is a lot of, seems like a lot of our main characters are going to be these young Jedi who are just coming into their own. So we have Vern in Test of Courage, who just became a Jedi Knight. In the Marvel series, we have Keith Trennis, who just became a Jedi Knight. In this IW, uh, IDW series, we have um, Lula in The Light of the Jedi. We have Bell, who's still a Padawan. So we have a lot of these young Jedi. And I think that's that's twofold, right? We talked about it last week, right? It's so we could follow these characters for a long time and grow with them and see them develop over the, the time period of the High Republic. But also, it shows that you know there's a lot of characters who we're going to grow with to see them and how they deal with this new conflict that might not have been there for previous generations. You know, think about my generation, I'm a millennial, and, and some of the struggles that we've had socially having to deal with what we've gone through the past 20 years or so. And I don't want to make this like a, a woe is me millennial thing, but we always hear that. Like you see the memes and everything about like our generations had to had to go through, like we survived, you know, 9-11 and everything that came after that and, and the Iraq war and and now COVID and whatnot, um, and all the things in between. So saying my generation's gone through so much, right? Um, I feel like that's kind of how this generation of Jedi are. Is that a weird analogy that I just made? No, I think that you're right. I, I want to say we did also forget, and, and obviously there's lots of other things I want to talk about for sure, but we did also forget an interesting and new kind of character in this, and that's Cham Cham. Cham Cham is like a pet sort of who also apparently is force sensitive and is kind of bat bat looking with like a pig nose and super cute it wouldn't be star wars without like a cute little creature there for some levity they always have that and the best name champ champ oh who's your little champ champ <laughs> they always have cute that star wars does that is is it it's this great balance of like Last Jedi is going to be super dark in the super dark movie. But hey, here's some porgs, everybody. <laughs> That's right. You know? And there's always people that are like, and they're the worst thing in Star Wars. No way. No way. I love No, porgs. but you know, like, there's all, like, like. Yes, no, I told you. Ewoks are the worst. Yeah, we talked about that the other day. Like, people like me who are like, I love the Ewoks, and this is my connection to Star Wars, and I'll love Star Wars forever. And other people are like, the Ewoks ruined the movies. They're the worst ever. Yeah, I think I think you and I are definitely in the camp of the we like the weird, quirky, fun Star Wars stuff just as much as we like the heavy, you know, serious themes as well. Uh, I like that that there's that balance there. Um, 
working on my back tattoo of, of Jar Jar. Hey, I love Jar. I love Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> I don't know if we talked about it on this show, but Jar Jar Binks would be a huge ska fan, so him and I would be friends. <laughs> he's, just got a, he's, he's got a good body for skanking. Like he's so lanky. Maybe that's why I relate to him. I'm I'm tall and lanky too, so maybe him and I would like skank it up at a show or something. That's right. He'd come up on the mic and he'd say, "Misa, Misa, love to pick it up." <laughs> wow, we are in this weird Venn diagram of like, if you like ska and Star Wars novels you'll like this show i think that's our our demographic hey let me so let me well let's talk for a minute about because we haven't talked too much about her but one of the things i absolutely love i'm gonna say that lula tali solo i think is a great character i'm looking forward to seeing her in the future i love that she's a padawan thrust into uh action a little before she's ready i think there's gonna be some great stuff with her in the future i don't think she's the best character in this in this comic i think Zine Rala is the character that really captures your attention a whole lot more. And I think what's so great about that is I don't think we've seen a lot of places where, where they're like literally taught that the force is bad and don't embrace the force. And yet here's this force sensitive person that's, it's, that's sort of having to wrestle with, it's like um, somebody who's been raised in a specific religion or whatever, only to, and told that this other thing is wrong their whole life. And only to be like, that's who I am. Like, I kind of likened it to, because I, I well, I'm not trying to get too, um, how do I want to say this? Let's say this. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to say this in a way that, that makes sense and is not going to take us down a weird rabbit hole. But just that sense of like, constantly being taught something's wrong, and yet that's who you are. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? So, um, again, maybe taking it seriously. But growing up in Texas on the bu- in the buckle of the Bible Belt, and I'm a very p- passionate Christian, but I have a lot of friends that are LGBTQ, and I would say they would relate a lot to this character, um, being taught their whole lives that who they are is wrong, and it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, so, again, I, that took it way, way more serious than I meant to, but that's immediately what I felt with this character. And I loved the fact that she was sort of thrust into being her true self by the end of the, se- by the, end of the series. By the end of yeah, the Yeah, and she's also the first kind of central character we have here in the High Republic that is not a Jedi, at least not a Jedi yet. And I like that because one of the promises of the High Republic was it's not going to just be about the Jedi. We're going to meet new smugglers and new bounty hunters and new characters and villains. And maybe her path is to eventually become a Jedi or, or get involved in that. Um, but I, I'm happy that she's not so far. Thinking about it, she's a little old to become a Jedi Padawan. So if that's where this series is heading, and maybe I'm thinking out loud here, um, when was the last time we saw a, a kind of a ten-year-old who was Force-sensitive who got taken into the Jedi Order? Do you think we're going down a path like that? Could be. I mean, I think a Luke who was probably fifteen or I don't. How old was Luke when he got found? Was he twenty? Was he eighteen? I don't know. Yeah, Ray was older and and Anakin was older. So like a lot of our central Star Wars characters are these people who kind of get into the Jedi later in their life than, than some others. So interesting. And Um, I sorry. And we also have the, uh, the interesting play too, off of the fact that Lula is a, a, a good student, a good Padawan, but she's feeling disconnected from the force at this moment. She can't seem to connect correctly to the force or, or fully to the force. She's wrestling with that. And then we've got this character who's not been trained, but is connecting to the force. And they often mirror the, 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 the drawings often show them kind of mirroring each other. Like it'll yes. show half of one face and half of the other. Yes. Um, I mean, that's all, that's all the notes I really had about this, this story. Was there anything else you had uh, that you want to talk about the IDW? Yeah. The, the thing I texted you about, do you remember? I said, there's one word in this that oh, I yes, yes, go ahead. Blow you away. I so I sent I sent you a message right after I read it and I was like, wow, it was really good. And I said, and I think there's one word in here that's really gonna catch your attention when you read it. I yeah, and that's before I read it, and I'm like, well, what could that possibly be? And I was expecting it to be like, yo, look over there, there's Grogu or something like that. You know? <laughs> the Mandalorians are here. Yeah, or like something like like shocking like that, and uh, I didn't actually pick up on what it was until I re- even after I read it, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you said it was the word drum roll, skank. No, 
Misa, it, it was when Jar Jar Binks showed up and said, Misa going to pick it up. Yeah. It, it was the word acolyte. Yes. So they don't have, they, they, they kind of have abandoned the, the, the parent to child relationship and they say they have elders and acolytes. And um, that word might not have necessarily caught our attention, except for the fact that we know that we are leading towards this Disney Plus show called The Acolyte that is set near the end of the High Republic. So with that, I think that he, they're not going to just throw that word out. I think that word had to be intentional. Zine's the acolyte. She's going to be an evil Jedi. Boom. There it is, Brian. Just drop that on you. What do you think? That's it. I just it could, or, well, what I thought was not so much her, but her friend who is now furious that she's embracing the Force might in some way pursue a way to get back at her because he felt so... Uh, he felt so betrayed. Cricks. Yeah. Which is, you know, this is funny. Before we started talking or recording, you guys didn't hear this, but I was like, isn't it weird that not a lot of Star Wars characters have the same first name? But Cricks, there is another character named Cricks. Do you know who it is? I, I don't. General Nadine. Is it Nadine or Maydean? The uh, one of the generals in the original trilogy, his first name is Crix. Huh. Very interesting. So maybe this is him as a kid, three hundred years earlier. Could be. We don't know how long they live. <laughs> I like. I, I. I'm. I'm not one for like crazy fan theories. I like when people put crazy stuff online, and it's like, dude, are you kidding me right now? Like, I think Ray is actually a clone of uh, C-3PO and Shmi Skywalker. It's no, no, that's stupid. I think Ray is actually uh, Palpatine's granddaughter. No, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait, wait a second. Actually, that came true. But um, so I, I anyway, I throw out these weird theories, and I, I don't actually think those things. Spoiler for Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> if you're listening to a Star Wars podcast about Star Wars comic books and books specifically, I think you've seen Rise of Skywalker. Let's hope. Oh boy. All right, so that, that's all we got from a comics this week. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, Brian? Uh, I will only say this. It's not at all related to this, but this is my last bit of advice for people who love Star Wars that are listening to this today. Uh, online, I just watched a video of the Ahsoka Tano scene from The Mandalorian, like where she first comes out and like takes out all those guys, uh, set to Barracuda by heart. And uh, it's awesome. Go watch that. <laughs> Yeah, I actually shared that on my Facebook earlier today, too. That's Barracuda. That's my impression of that. And that's where I found it was on your Facebook. So that's why I watched it. Wow, look at that. Yes, we are Facebook friends, guys. We are Facebook friends, believe it or not. We've made it Facebook official. Even though I I am a Monster Squad guy and Brian's a Goonies guy, we can still be friends. I'm a both guy. I'm Don't get it. You can't be both. You can't be both. If... If right now, if I could, if I could proclaim two important things, one would be Goonies never say die, but the other would be Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So one other thing we wanted to do, I uh, wanted to shout out uh, some local comic shops. I always support um, shopping local whenever you can and shopping small. Uh, admittedly, I do have a Comicsology subscription just because I ran out of room for my comics. But I will go and buy physical issues of comics um, when I get the chance to. And my best friend in the world, James, he works at a comic shop in North Plainfield, New Jersey. I want to give them a shout out. They're called JC Comics. He got me uh, issue one of Marvel and issue one of IDW. So really excited. Um, shop at, you know, if you're in New Jersey, check out JC Comics. But if you're in a local comic, you have a local comic shop by you, support them. It's such a great, uh, you know, nostalgic when you walk into a comic shop, you just get hit with nostalgia. At least I do. Yeah. Anything. And, I, and I had a great experience today that I shared with you, but uh, it made me want to make sure that we did this as well to shout out those local comic shops. Listen, we love the, the if you, if you don't have a comic shop near you, Amazon comiXology, those are great places, you know, and, and, and you're going to get your stuff and you're going to get it quick. But if you've got a local comic shop that you can shop at uh, support those guys, because especially right now during COVID, a lot of small businesses are having a hard time. We want to keep those small businesses running and families uh, able to put food on their tables and stuff like that. Um, I went to my local comic shop that I use a lot. It's called Collected Comics in Keller, Texas. And uh, I uh, 
picked up my copy of the High Republic number one. I had a couple things on subscription there, or the High, High Republic Adventures number one. I had a couple things on subscription there. Uh, they had an issue of like the best of Donatello from Ninja Turtles. That's my nice. favorite turtle. Uh, so I had to pick that up. And I'm checking out, and he's like, "Hey, you got a gift card because we have a we have a, a rewards system here." And I didn't even know they had a rewards system, so I got a twenty-five dollar gift card just because I shopped there enough, and I was able to uh, pick up volume one of Poe Dameron the, uh, from Marvel, which is also good stuff. So shout out to Collected and Keller, really appreciate them. And you guys, make sure you hit your local comic stops, comic shops, not, not just local comic stores too, local bookstores, local toy stores. Um, had a frustrating experience with uh, Amazon this week. I pre-ordered Into the Dark on Amazon. And while everyone else in the world got Into the Dark like two weeks early, I didn't get Into the Dark until yesterday. And as of this recording, it's Saturday. So I got it Friday, um, which is supposed to be supposed to have been released day of. So I'm a little frustrated there. So I think going forward, I'm going to get my High Republic books and all my Star Wars books whenever possible at a bookstore. So I know I can get them day of release because I want them day of release. Absolutely. And I I just want to hype us up for our next episode because we're going to be doing End of the Dark. Claudia Gray, uh, a local favorite, uh, a national favorite, a galactic favorite author. Um, and this is the book that we know as a librarian main character. I'm so excited. Yeah, this is the book. I mean, I was really stoked for Light of the Jedi, but this is the probably my number two or, or number one book of the year that I'm excited for because Claudia Gray is... We love you, Claudia Gray. We do. You're the best. Come come on the pod. Come on the podcast. Yeah, Claudia Gray, what's up? I do you think Claudia Gray likes Monster Squad or Goonies? Well, I I'm I'm going to tweet her right now. I'm going on Twitter. I'm going to send it uh from I guess from my own account, the Rudy Librarian since I don't have we don't have a, a Twitter account. We have other accounts, but we don't have a Twitter account. And I'm going to ask her and I hope that she'll answer. Um, and then follow up with what her opinions on ska are because i i'm gonna make a wager that claudia gray was big into ska in the 90s i i just have that that feeling absolutely i'll i'll I'll, if she responds to this i will ask her about the ska and if she responds to that i will ask her on the pod (laughs) (laughs) escalate it quickly all right brian anything else you want to add before we wrap up today uh, well, I, I think that we've mentioned, I always think it's good for us to kind of advertise the other stuff that we're doing as well. Obviously we love doing this podcast. Definitely check out Gary's, uh, monster podcast. You want to, you want to shout it out real quick? Absolutely. So I also host a monster, a universal monster centric podcast called the monster rally podcast, where we uh, are going chronologically through all of the 1930s, forties and fifties, universal monster movies. That might sound boring, but I rap a lot on the podcast. We get really, I do characters. It's a wild, wild time. So check out Monster Rally if that's something that's interested to you. Um, I also play in a ska band. We talk about ska a lot in this episode called The Backyard Superheroes. Um, and uh, check us out. We have a new single coming out next month. You, you, I don't think that's been publicly announced till right now. So there you go, Brian. You're the first person to know that. It's a, it's a, it's a um, uh, Starlight Beacon exclusive. Yes. Um, and, and then as for me, uh, I have a, a, the Rudy Librarian, which is uh, on YouTube and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But uh, essentially, I do book talks every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday where I talk about a new book, primarily YA books, young adult books, um, because I am a, a high school teacher and hoping to be a high school or junior high or middle school librarian at some point. Um, but so uh, YA books, and then I also talk about punk and ska and um, you know reading and, and life the universe and everything. Yeah. Oh man. Can we do a Douglas Adam podcast one time? That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just want to say, Brian, it, it's such a pleasure working with you on this podcast. And I, I love your, your Rudy librarian videos. That's how I, we kind of met each other as I saw one of your videos. And I, I, I didn't know they were Monday, Wednesday and Friday. It seems like you're putting out content almost every day because whenever I get to work, by the time I get to work, there's usually a new video up. Uh, I see it on my Facebook feed. Before I even check my work emails, I usually watch your video to see what you're talking about. So I appreciate what you do. Keep it keep it going, and uh, um, it's awesome. We're having a good time on this show. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Uh, I, we do, I just hit the one-year anniversary of the Rudy Librarian. I do do a video every day, but only book talks Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Ah, that's every what I see. I knew I was right. Um, but uh, So we hit the one-year anniversary of that, and uh, <laughs> we're on episode – is this three or four here? This is four, right? This is four, yeah. 
So we're on episode four here. I'm looking forward to the one year anniversary of, of this podcast and beyond. Oh boy. <laughs> all right. So thank you so much. Check out all the other great Star Wars podcasts for Star Wars Podcasting Day. Again, that's uh, February 7th. There's a, almost 100 podcasts that are releasing uh, podcasts all, I said podcasts twice in a row, um, all on the same day. So check that out. I'm a huge podcast listener. I'll, ch- I'll listen to anything Star Wars related. I'll give it a shot. So um, please, uh, please, you know, listen to everything that's coming out that day. Listen to us, share, share our stuff, share all the other great Star Wars podcasts out in the community. Because, as always, we are all the Republic. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic.